0: Good morning. We're in week five of our People Skills series. And uh, I just want to start by reminding us why we're doing this series. It's not an underhanded rebuke like, hey, we're really bad at people skills and we need to work at." I think as a church, uh, we're we're pretty good, but this is part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to love the people around us, to love our neighbors as ourselves. So uh, the reason we're doing this series is We want to be a church that makes disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. And we believe that this disciple-making process is incredibly personal. You just have to have interpersonal skills in order to invest in someone and to make a disciple. The way that Jesus made disciples, when he said, Come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. So part of this process of knowing Jesus for his first followers was to follow him and then to go and be fishers of men. And and Paul said something really similar when he wrote to Timothy, which was Paul's spiritual son, his son in the faith. He said, the things that you've heard from me entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified, faithful to teach others. So I, discipleship, what, what we're trying to be as a church and, and to embody and to, to do it's just, it requires, it's, it's very personal, so it requires interpersonal skills, hence people skills. So typically when I think of people skills, I think of uh, knowing when to talk, what to say, when not to talk, what not to say, how to say, what you should say, how not to say it. And, and that's, that's true, people skills is that, but it's so much more. The way that we relate to people comes from who we are. And so we started this series looking at our identity. Who, who are we? How do we find our value as people? And then we kind of, we've been working from the inside out. So our identity is fleshed out in our attitude and the way we, we feel, the way that we look at the world around us. And, and, and that's what we looked at the last couple of weeks. And then this week, we're going to look at expectations. That's another kind of internal dimension of our people skills, but we have to, we have to understand our expectations in order to relate with people well. And uh, as we go through this series, I've said it before, I'll say it again, there's a lot of books out there that are kind of self-help books, like here's how you can relate to people more effectively, Uh, and those are fine, um, but I find that any any truth that those self-help books recommend, it's really based on the truth, God's truth. God is the foundation of all truth. So we're not approaching this topic from a self-help, hey, you have what it takes, just try harder, try this technique, and you can improve your people skills. This is, this is a cry, but both personally and corporately, God, would you help us? So not self-help, but God help us grow in our ability to love and relate to people well. So let's continue our worship today, just, just crying out to God uh, for this time that we'd hear from him. And that we really would receive help from him. Father you told us to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength. And you told us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And I just confess I can't do that like on my own power. I don't have what it takes. But because Jesus has rescued me from myself uh, because the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit lives in me. Uh, I have who it takes and so does every other person in this room uh, who's your follower. And so God, we we cry out to you. Would you help us? Would you help shape our thinking when it comes to expectations in our relationships? And I pray that we would adopt your expectations of us as as our expectations. So help us now, pray that you'd speak clearly through your word, amen. So I know a guy, he's an older guy, probably in his mid-50s, and he's often been asked by people younger and even people his age, would you mentor me? And so he's asked, would you mentor me? Would you mentor me? And his answer is, well, what did you have in mind? (laughs) Because sometimes people say, I just wanna come over and have dinner with your family once a week. You know, that's, that's you mentoring me. You know, that's what they mean, would you mentor me? Other people are like, I wanna to get together once or twice a week, study the Bible, pray. And uh, that's what I mean by, would you mentor me? And so there's all sorts of these different expectations from this one question. And expectations like that are found all over our lives. Just this week, I used the word vanity regarding a bathroom for about three different parts of the bathroom. (laughs) And as I was talking with different people, I could see like they were thinking vanity was something else. You know, the vanity light, the vanity sink, the vanity cabinet. And I'm just saying vanity. Uh, And it was pretty vain. Um, Sorry. (laughs) But whether it's words like that, and the expectations that you have with the word I'm saying, or that I have with the words you're saying, or with, like with your job and a job description, or with your relationships, and like, hey, hey, you know, let let's pursue a dating relationship. Well, let's define the expectations on like, what is dating? What do you even mean by that? Or if you want to go old school, a courting relationship. Well, what's that? Um, and and when you get married, you're defining the expectations. You know, in those vows, you're saying, here are the expectations. Till death do us part. So expectations are just prevalent. They're all over the place in our lives. And we get frustrated and disappointed when those expectations aren't met. So today, I just want to share three expectations for relationships like from God's word. And there's a lot more than this. uh, So don't think that this is all encompassing, but I think these are three helpful ones to, to start with. And the first is, we can expect to relate to people who are different than us. And if you think that's not a problem of, you know, people, we're able to relate with each other who are different. Uh, There's something, that a tragedy that happened in Charlottesville this weekend, because this is a problem. And it's been a problem since sin entered the world. So... Three, yeah, three expectations. The, the first expectation that God has for us is we should be able and we should expect to relate to people who are different from us. That's kind of the rule, not the exception. And so, before I read a passage that uh, that backs this up, I kind of want to give a little bit of background. Uh, one of the major subplots or kind of themes of the Bible is uh, this animosity between two groups of people. There's the Jews that God kind of set aside for himself. And then there's everybody else called the, the Gentiles or the nations. And God set aside the Jews to be a blessing to all people. But instead what happened was there was animosity and hostility. And so for example, Jonah, you might've heard of him. He's the guy who got swallowed by a big fish. Okay, you following Jonah? Jonah, he was a racist okay, God wanted to be kind to the Gentiles, to the Ninevites. Jonah didn't want God to be kind. Jonah was mad when God was in fact kind. That's why Jonah got swallowed by a big fish was because he didn't want God to be kind and so he ran away. And then after the big fish spit him out and, you know, uh, God was kind to these people who were enemies of Jonah's people, uh, Jonah just pouted like a three-year-old would pout. And so Jonah, he's a prophet. I mean, he's kind of a leader of God's people, but he was racist. And he's just one example of many of this animosity, this hostility between these two groups of Jews and Gentiles. And so now we're going to read Ephesians 2. And I just want you to remember that Jew and Gentile, man, there's a history, a long, hostile history history as we read ephesians two eleven through 17 paul writes and says therefore remember that formerly you who are gentiles by birth and you're called uncircumcised so non-jews you're called non-jews by those who call themselves the circumcision which is the jews done in the body by hands of men like this physical circumcision remember that at that time you were separate from christ excluded from citizenship in israel And foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself, Jesus, he is our peace. He's made the two groups one. And he's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. Jesus' purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in the one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached, he proclaimed peace to those who were far away and to those who were near. Through him, we both have access to the father by one spirit. So, I mean, this is a writing of Paul. So it's just packed. It's super dense But I want to draw out one thing, which is people who are otherwise indifferent towards each other or just despise each other, the Jews and Gentiles, they've been brought together in Jesus. Do you see that? If I I had to summarize it, it would basically say, Jesus has made the two groups who thought, they are so different from me, we could never get along. He's made those two groups one. He's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And so you might think, well, I'm not biased, I'm not racist like Jonah, but I'd like to challenge that assumption a little bit. You might just be biased in a different way. I know I can be, like personality bias. I just like hanging out with people who are like me. You know, I'm an extrovert, I like to talk a lot. you know, my friends, we just talk over each other all the time. Or maybe you're interest biased, you know, like, okay, so this guy, he, he, he's a car guy, which means, yeah, we can be friends, we can kind of exchange pleasantries, but we can't really go deep or have a meaningful friendship because I'm into sports and he's into cars. That, that's interest bias. Or what about this one? Age bias. Well, you know, they're almost old enough to be my parents or they're almost young enough to be my grandkids. So again, we can, you know, we can go to the same church, but that's about it. You know, it'd be weird if we were in small group. I don't feel like I could share life with them. Yeah, it's just weird, right? I just gotta say that Jesus is inviting us to be one with people who we normally think are just different from us, Right? Too different, maybe, in our own mind. But from my own experience and from experience of Christian history, this is what our, what your experience can and should be. So have you experienced Jesus making you one with someone that you wouldn't expect? Because I just gotta say, you can. You can experience that. That's available. And, And don't think... That, you, that it's wrong to enjoy like sharing those things in common. I, I enjoy sharing my uh, enjoyment of sports with other, other people. Um, but that's not the foundation of fellowship. Fellowship is about sharing Jesus and his mission. That, that's really what it's about. So it's not, fellowship is not like this bubble where, we just get all of our Jesus friends around us and we think, man, we're having great fellowship. It's, it's about Christ and it's about what he cares about, his mission. So I just encourage us, expect our relationships. This is, again, our expectation. We should expect our relationships to be based on Christ and his mission. And if you start trying to do that, you're probably gonna start thinking, I have no idea how to relate to this person. They're so much different than me. I don't know what we should talk about. What an opportunity to grow, to cry out, God, would you help me? I don't know how to do this, but would you help? And when I was in college, that was the time in my life, I always knew I should make disciples or I should pursue that. In college was the time that God was beginning to convince me I actually could. Like with, of course, by, by walking with him, I actually could make disciples. And there was this mentor a few years older than me that God used to do that, to convince me I, I could do this. Like, by God's grace, I could do this. And I loved this mentor. I mean, we spent an hour and a half, two hours together, and it felt like 30 minutes. Have you ever had a relationship like that? You Just time flies. We had the same interests. We had a lot of the same weaknesses. You know, it's, it's kind of fun that you know, oh, yeah, you can really empathize because you struggle with that too. Well, so then... You know, it was, it was my job to, and I, I was praying, God, I want to be this guy to someone else. And uh, then God answered that prayer by giving me other people who were totally different from me <laughs> to love and serve and invest in. And I was thinking, okay, we've probably been together 30 or 40 minutes, and it'd been 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, and they just had different backgrounds and different interests. And I was like, God, why is this so hard? Uh and I think he's te- he was teaching me, there's just no preference caveats to obedience. And, and the Great Commission, it implies that as we go and make disciples, we will encounter this reality of relating to different people. So we should expect it because he says make disciples, not just of the people in your socioeconomic status or the people next door to you, absolutely make disciples of them but of all nations, which implies a whole lot of diversity. So I just think a right and healthy expectation for us. And again, we're, we're doing this, but just kind of keeping this in our mind and in our hearts. And as we pray, our expectation is our relationships are not about me. They're not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about God's glory. And I know for me, it's really easy to make it about me. But it's not about me. And so that's why our small groups, that's why we want to multiply our small groups. And it stinks. I still miss my old small group guys who I used to have in small group every week. But it's a lot better than the alternative of putting second things first, making this church or these relationships about me, about my comfort, rather than about Jesus, his mission, God's glory. And so the gospel speaks to this even though we are different the gospel says that we're actually more in common than we are different because we all were made for the same purpose that purpose is relationship with god we all have the same problem we've all gone our own way all of us have sinned and there's one solution for all of us and that's trusting trusting in jesus so our expectation should be to relate to people who are different than us. And the, 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 the next two expectations, they're shorter. So we got that going for you. Here's the second. Expect to serve and not to be served. Jesus, right before he went to the cross, he washed his disciples' feet, which first century, dirty, grimy, low-level job. It's like the CEO bringing out the broom and sweeping, staying late and and doing the dirty job, cleaning the toilets, doing the job no one else wanted to do. And he told his disciples, I've set an example that you should do as I've done for you. Now that you know this, you're going to be blessed if you do it. And so what we should expect in our life is not to be served, but to serve. And that's where the truly good life is found. By serving others, giving yourself away. And let's combine the two, you, you know, like expect to serve, expect to relate to people who are different than you. That can be exhausting, right? <laughs> it is exhausting. So we need this third expectation. We should expect to receive freely from God because we're, we're expected to give freely, but we can expect God to fill us up in order to pour uh, our lives and ourselves out for his glory. So we can expect to receive freely. Jesus, in fact, he told his disciples when he sent him out on mission, he said, freely you've received, now freely give. And Colossians 4, it says that we're to be always full, full of grace. And uh, my grace that you'll get from me, myself, it's, it's pretty limited. So... In order for me to always be full, I've got to stay connected to the source of grace. And the source of grace is the God who has lavished grace on us in Christ, like Ephesians 1.8 says. So to lavish someone is like, I think when Rose and I, we had a, a, a wedding shower five and a half, six years ago. And I just kind of felt embarrassed because of all the love and, you know, all the gifts that's a good picture for me of what it means to be lavished with good things it's like you're drowning in it and it's almost kind of ah, i don't want another gift it's it's almost embarrassing so uh but but that's what god has done to us in christ is he's lavished grace on us so freely we receive and that's why and that's how that's the only way that we can freely give And so these expectations, uh, which we discussed today, and and others that as you dig into God's word, you'll you'll see God's expectations. um, They're all fulfilled in Jesus. He's holy, which means there's no one else like him. So when he became a human, he was becoming like us. He was relating to someone different, very, very different. He's perfect, we're imperfect. We're sinners, he's righteous. And he's a king, but he is not a king who came to be served, but to serve. And Jesus, as a man, he was fully God and fully man. As a man, Jesus freely received from his heavenly father and that is how he carried out his life and his ministry. He freely gave because he was freely receiving And so if you're here today and you're not following Jesus, here's what you can expect should you choose to follow him. Kind of continuing the topic of expectations. You can expect, if you trust Jesus, that he can and will forgive all of your sins. And I'm not just talking about the past. I'm not talking about the stuff that you're just really sorry about. I'm talking about all of your sins. Because he paid for them on the cross. You can also expect that he will lead you in all of your life because he didn't stay dead. The tomb is empty. So he's alive and he is very capable and available to lead you. And he will lead you into the full and abundant life, which is being known by God and loved by God in relationship with God. It's the good life as God defines it. So if you're here and you've never committed your life to Christ, or if you have any doubt about your relationship to God, I'd encourage you to talk to someone after the service, or if you don't know anyone here, don't want to talk to anyone, talk to me, and and I'd love to listen. Um, We're also going to pray now as we close, and you can use this time to pray to make that commitment if you're ready. So let's pray together. Talk to God about your life and what your expectations are of yourself, of God, of other people. Father, would you make it clear if we have wrong expectations? And right now we want to commit to saying yes to what you expect which is that we'd relate to people who are different than us and not for our sake but for your sake. We commit to serving and not to being served and we commit to doing this out of your power out of relationship with you and not out of our own ability. Thanks for giving us expectations that don't make our life miserable and a big disappointment or frustration, but you give us these to lead us into the path of joy.